0: Hello and welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. Today on the show, Phil Kearns, a former New South Wales and Australian Rugby Union captain, playing 73 matches for the Waratahs and 67 tests for Australia. He was a member of both the 1991 and 1999 World Cup winning teams. Post-career, he's a commentator, CEO of A.V. Jennings and Executive Director for the 2027 Rugby World Cup bid, which was successful. And Andrew May, one of the world's leading human performance strategists and leadership coaches. He's the CEO and host of Strive Stronger podcast focused on delivering workplace performance. Prior to this, Andrew was a middle distance runner and a high performance manager with both Cricket New South Wales and Cricket Australia, and now works with the Parramatta Football Club and was a former partner of KPMG. Let's get started. Welcome to Lunch with Lee. I'm your host, Shane Lee. And the show, Phil Kearns. Hey Kernsey, how are you, mate?
1: Good mate. Couldn't be better.
0: Mate, thanks for doing this.
1: When we got together on that boat and you <laughs> twisted my arm right up my back. And it's a really hard thing to do as well. Sit around, have a bit of lunch and a chat.
0: That's it, mate. And other guests, Andrew May. Hey Maisie. Shane, good to see you. Mate, I'm really excited to have both of you guys on the show. I want to start with you, Kearnsy. Um, just to let you know, last night doing my research. I've, I've engaged a few junior reporters. Um, that being George Gregan, Matty Burke, Phil War, and Matt Dunning. <laughs> oh, my God. Now, Mark, Mark Taylor always said that um, you're not a good bloke if you have a nickname. You've got quite a few. So the first one, <laughs> the nickname Turtle, where does that come from? <laughs> this is from George Gregan. Yes.
1: Tur- turtle that comes from two places. It's a bit of a mixture of one. Timmy Gavin, were out uh, on his farm one day and... Uh, and Gav said to his little nephew, then he said, uh, do you know who this is? And the bike goes, yeah, it's Pilturton's. Because he couldn't <laughs> say you. Phil Kern, so it was Pilturton's. And then <laughs> and then, as my career went on, I used to be fast. And at the end of my career, I was pretty slow. Gotcha. So uh, the Turton's and the turtle got mixed up
2: <laughs> I like
0: it and Matt Dunning reckons your other nickname when you started Orange is a bit harsh but you said that you were called Lightning because your lineouts never hit the same place twice
1: yes that that uh, <laughs> uh,
0: gotta love you mates <laughs> oh
1: drop goal Matt Dunning um, yeah that we that came from uh, my very first test we were training uh, at the Ellerslie racetrack in Auckland yep and there was a howling gale blowing across the racetrack, like who? which international team would train on a racetrack, <laughs> right, but that's what we were doing, and yeah, let's just say, I, with that breeze and nervousness and the whole thing, Steve Cutler actually gave me that nickname, God bless him. God bless him, mate. <laughs> now, Maisie, you and I go way
0: back when you first started working with Cricket New South Wales as a high-performance slash fitness coach. Um I was just sort of we were regaling off air This the first time we met unfortunately you were dragged up for a pre-season we had a pre-season camp in the Hunter Valley <laughs> like, like really good cricketers used to do and um, we, you, you were told to deal with myself I was the current New South Wales captain and um, I think the vice captain was a guy called Stuart McGill who, who knew his wine pretty well um, and then we took you under our wing
2: are we leading with this? Can we just...
0: <laughs> wait, wait, how, was the, how was the fitness training next day? <laughs> oh, it
2: was shocking. I can mean, remember, I woke up at 9am, the warm-up game started at 9.30, I jumped in the bus, Grant Lambert just laughed at me and, and Stumper just shook his head and said, mate, what the fuck are you doing? But before that, about six months, I had an interview with Steve Rickson, so I'd left track and field, Phil, which is pretty nerdy, joined Team Sport. You guys have beers, like, yeah, rather than Gatorade. How <laughs> good is this? Thought? Who <laughs> would have thought that beer was in there? Yeah, and you're not trying to just smash everyone. So I love the change. And I remember the interview with Steve Rickson. I rocked in with a tie, and, and Stumper looked at me and said, what the fuck's that? I, was, I, I took it off. We sat down in the old uh, indoor centre at New South Wales Cricket. And I said, "Uh, Mr Rickson, is there a job description? He said, a job description, what's that? What do you mean? He said, what are you doing tomorrow at 9am? I said, oh, nothing. He said, the boys are doing a recovery session. Why don't you come along? If they like you stay, if not, fuck off. Like (laughs) (laughs) that was the end of the interview. I said, is there anything else, Stumper? He said, yeah, yeah, rule number one, don't be late. And if you're late, fuck off. So I was really clear. The following morning I rock up 45 minutes late. I got a coffee at the, the footy stadium you rock up and I was really nervous you know, entering team sport for the first time felt really excited like, with real people in real sport and do you remember what I said to you? Uh, fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> no, you felt like saying that. You looked at me, I shook your hand, and I said, Oh, good day, Brett. And you oh, yeah. went, He's hey, oh, my yeah. brother. What a great start. <laughs> that that, would, have be, that start, would have been the yeah. answer there, yeah. <laughs> it's funny
0: you mentioned it. Have you enjoyed the Commonwealth Games recently? Watching oh, I loved some it. Did you, a middle distance runner? What, I what, was your, what was your event?
2: 1500.
0: Right, 1500.
2: Yeah, Ollie Hall, that time, 3.30, yeah. is, well, the best Commonwealth Games time we've ever had. But just,
0: just an unfortunate surname, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Can't work on that. No, we've got, got no whore. Yeah? Yeah. Uh, but what we can talk about, though, is that time and the magnitude of that. There was only one runner, Magnusson, the. Uh, Norwegian Olympic champion, who wasn't in that race. So that is a true world-class race, yeah. so it was phenomenal.
0: It was, and I like Kenny Sutcliffe's call too, was, whore not finished yet, <laughs> <was a> <laughs> Now, Kersey, um, I, I want to ask you about um, uh, your stuff you've been, you did for the 2027 bid to get the Rugby World Cup here. You'd have to think we've got the women's and the men's Rugby yep. World Cup, so well, yep. done, well done on that, by the way, Thank I you. know you did a lot of work behind the scenes. This has got to be, rugby is probably, it's fallen off where it was in 1999 when you were dominant and, and picked in an Australian sport. Is this the chance for rugby to be back on the world stage, particularly in Australia? Uh,
1: uh, absolutely. I, I think there's a lot of really great grass uh, grassroots and the, the shoots are coming through. Yep. And, uh, you know, this World Cup will be not the culmination, but... We've started already. We're still five years away from yep. that happening, but we've started the growth already. Um, the club competition this year has been fantastic. The Shoot Shield, Parramatta beating Sydney Uni. My God, yes. how much did I love that? That was just fantastic. <laughs> yeah. We all love Sydney Uni getting beaten. Yeah. It doesn't matter what sport it That's is, it. but we love it. And uh, so the, the competition's coming back. The growth of the game's coming back. Interestingly, during COVID, it was actually quite good for the game because a lot of the boys that were at private schools in the boarding houses who would normally be playing for their schools went back and played for their local town um, and, and that provided a lot of growth in some of the country areas but um, for this World Cup it'll bring about two and a half billion dollars to the Australian economy uh, that's the Men's World Cup the, the Women's World Cup won't bring that amount of money but it's great focus and profile for them and the Women's Game well we've seen what our girls can do in terms of the Sevens they're, they're, they're incredible athletes They're unbelievable. Yeah. and,
0: um, and look, I, I just think um, and, and we're seeing as you said there's some real green shoots there we're seeing some snippets at the moment and how quickly the public turn and want to support the Wallabies when they're doing well.
1: Yeah, you I know, mean, our capacity crowd at the SCG yeah. and, you know, the two other games over in uh, Western Australia and, and up in Brisbane were, were pretty full. Not quite capacity, yeah. but not far off it. Uh, so that's that's been really positive. Uh, the Wallabies beating Argentina under pretty difficult circumstances. For sure. Half the team's injured. Yeah. And they've yeah. still got to win there. And uh, to look at the focus, or look where it's at now, uh, we're number six in the world. Yep. Yeah. All Blacks are number five. Yeah. If we win this weekend, we go to five, and they lose, they go to six. So we can move up the ranks pretty quickly.
0: Now, so on that, so you're going through a transformation phase, and Maisie, what you do when you've done with KPMG, you're, what, for a better term, you're a transformation specialist. So, is, say is, that at dinner is,
2: parties, you sit next to people. I'm a transformation specialist. Hey, Gloria, let's get out of here. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Gloria, my, my out here. Just called. I've got to go. Home.
0: <laughs> but no, it's um, it, it's interesting because. I just see in the corporate world, is the corporate world sort of following almost what a high-performance sporting team have done in the past? Is that that where the the trend's going?
2: We're starting to, and I'm I'm curious what what Phil's done with his transformation from athlete, and both of you as well. I've got a question in a moment on that. But I think... We stuff up change in the corporate world a lot of times because we get the transformation experts or the consultants in and go, right, let's do this really deep transformation process, complicated, all this language. And you ask people, Phil, how are you? He goes, well, I'm tired. I've got no energy and I'm all over the place. And now we're trying to do something new. So what I learned from sports, Shano, is first of all, you've just got to, you know, Look at capacity, how do you give people time, how do you you help them with energy and focus on the right things? So that's the approach I take in the corporate world, give them some capacity first give people agency that they actually feel like they can do something different then bring in the transformation so right. it's not rocket science but when you try and anyone in the corporate world will get this dull nod you get the experts in the consultants they come up with new mnemonic acronym story and everyone goes yeah yeah shadow." what they're really thinking this too shall pass six months later <laughs> yeah. there'll be a new leader feel you laughing you've been there <laughs> we just give it lip service so I I learned that off sport Okay. I'm just reflecting as you're asking that question. It's,
0: it's, it's funny, What I'm seeing at the moment is that blokes, we spend our sort of first 40, 50 years almost destroying our health, and then uh, <laughs> trying to get to where we want to get to, and then the next, the next 20 or 30, if you're lucky, um, trying to get it back. It's, it's funny how things change. Right? I,
2: well, I work with a lot of renovators' dreams, Shano, like executive males who yeah. I like just look at their bodies and just go, you're a renovator's dream. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Sand back the floorboards, freestyle, coat of paint.
0: Well, mate, I saw it. I looked on your website, Andrew, my website, and... Um there's a number of shirts uh, oh, with <laughs> you in, in tight, tight tees. Now, I just want to know, before, we, before the photo shoot, how many push-ups and dips were you we doing? And how long, was the t- how long were the T-shirts in the dryer?
1: It's a fashion item that you and I tend to uh, leave away. It. Oh, no, that's too <laughs> tight. Put Come, it down. Colin it, yeah.
2: I, one of my best mates, Mario, I grew up with in Dubbo, said, next time you do a photo shoot, don't wear Archie, who's my 11-year-old son's T-shirts. <laughs> uh, on that, though, Shane, when I did do that book, the publisher said to me, we want to get a few photos. Yeah, we'll get you out on the beach. And yep. I, I thought I was in OK, Nick. And then yep. he looked at me and said, no, nah, you probably better do a three-month shred, get you in proper shape before wow. I hung my head. So <laughs> it, was, it was three months. Oh, oh,
0: that's a bit harsh, but anyway. Now, Kurt, I want to ask you about, um, you're one of only 20 guys who have won multiple World Cups in rugby, 1991 and 1999. I just want to ask you, what were the key moments in the 1991 and 1999 for you as a team that, that when you knew you're, 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 you turned the... Yeah, you know, it's not like the Michael Line of goal or, 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 what, what were the key moments? Are there any vivid moments that stand out?
1: In in 91 we played Samoa yep. in I want to say it was clinic clinically.
0: Okay, well it's easy for you, to say yeah, yeah. in,
1: in <laughs> Wales. And uh, what a shit ground. <laughs> <it was. laughs> the, the grass was dead set almost knee high because the rain that they had wow. had around there. And we came out of that game, we're, you know, expected to win by plenty. Yep. And well, I can't remember the score, I'm bad at that, but it was something like 6-3. Yep. Okay. the final wow. score. And we played really shit rugby. And and Bob Dwyer implored us. He said, he, he essentially said, you guys don't understand the talent that you've got in this team. And if you play to the best of your ability, we're going to win this tournament. Wow. And I think it was, was that, that sort of turning point where we switched and went, okay. He's actually probably right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and if we get our act into gear, we could win the tournament. And we'd had some really good victories going into the that World Cup, so I think that was certainly one of them. Uh, Ninety-nine World Cup, the a bit turning different point. point it. Yeah, a bit different. Yeah. And the turning point for me was um, when I had to come home. <laughs> <And> I, I, <laughs> I did my foot uh, against Ireland, and that had to had to come home. But uh, no, I think the the the, the difference. No, sorry. I'll say the similarities in those teams were uh, the amount of leaders that were okay. in that side. It just wasn't the captain. It was there was a bunch of people that that were leaders, and uh, so whilst the pre- there was obviously there's always pressure on the captain. Yeah, but there was. People which had great expertise and great so experience, great, and around great yeah. um, leadership abilities around them, that it just didn't all fall on the one yeah. person.
0: Um, um, Mat- Matty Burke said to ask, what, "What was the the message you left uh, to the guys <laughs> after you, you you left the town to go home injured?"
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, there, was a, there is a little story around that. <laughs> so um, I was at, I was at home and uh, I'd had my foot operation and. Uh, I was asked to send a video message to the team. Yep. Uh, and, of course, there was a whole bunch of cricketers and athletes, swimmers, whatever they were, That and <laughs> John Howard, Peter Cosgrove, all those yep. people had sent messages of support to, to the team. And uh, it was a real tearjerker. And the, the tension in the team, this is, the boys tell me, the tension in the room was just unbelievable. Right. Uh, and then they said, and, and Kernsey's sent a message then and if you do remember they had VCRs back
2: then,
1: <laughs> <laughs> So I was in a VCR and, uh, and so I sent the message and, and basically the camera we, we had a saying during the whole tournament which is keep them nude which meant don't let him score any points, yep. keep him nude. Yep. Uh, tries obviously in particular, but uh, and we're pretty successful at that. I think against us in that whole tournament, we had one try scored against us and that was against the USA and Jason Little was captain and we don't let him forget that he was a skipper and let that try go and it was his opposing number that scored. Uh, so anyway, I'm, I'm on the balcony um, and my wife's videoing me and I'm just sending this message, you know, guys, what a great team to be part of, etc., etc and the camera's panning back and as the camera pans back it no. says I don't have a shirt on <laughs> and then and the final said, and I said boys and don't forget what's driven us this whole tournament is keep him nude and, and as the fully camera n- <laughs> fully <laughs> naked at least you weren't Jason Little yeah. <laughs> anyway apparently it broke the tension quite a bit the boys had a good Hilarious. laugh at my expense and uh, and off they went and won good I hope they destroyed that
0: video yes, so uh, like. they that go viral these
1: days wouldn't they yeah. on the internet. Oh, yeah, you can't do it these days.
0: We might just take a quick break here now. We're at District Brasserie. Uh, it's one of my favourite restaurants based here in Chifley Tower. I think today what we're going to start with is the Octopus Cappaccio. And I can't go past the hang of steak here. It's Wagyu marbled 6 Six. We'll have some chips with that. Yeah, and of course an O'Brien Beer and uh, maybe a little glass of red as well.
3: you're ready for your next thoroughbred racing adventure then join the Osha group they exceed expectations on what racehorse ownership should look like australia's racing industry is enjoying unprecedented growth through a strategic well-managed and data-driven approach there is now a very real opportunity to build a profitable and sustainable thoroughbred portfolio find the Osha group online at theOSHAGroup.com. john o'brien is a
0: legend of australia's beer industry Proudly 100% Aussie-owned, made in Ballarat, O'Brien Beer is Australia's most awarded gluten-free beer and widely available around Australia through major retailers and online at rebellionbrewing.com.au. O'Brien Beer, the beer that loves your back.
3: Whether it's for early morning coffee and pastries, long business lunches or post-work cocktails, head to District Brasserie in Sydney's CBD. With a modern Australian menu created to hero locally sourced produce and a unique offering of charred meats cooked on a custom built charcoal oven. Situated on the ground floor of Chifley Tower, District Brasserie is open Monday to Friday for breakfast, lunch and dinner. District Brasserie, sophisticated yet casual.
0: Maisie, well, I mentioned the Drive Stronger podcast at the start. Um, who you got coming up on that? And, um, and and what's the, as you said, it's trying to make people better, better versions of themselves. How do, how do you do that in, in basic terms?
2: In basic terms, it's looking at where they are, where yep. they want to go, and then to, like a GPS helping yep. them get there. But uh, my background, you know, as an athlete, can I say athlete with you too? I haven't been to any World Cups, didn't represent Australia, so as a, a try-hard a athlete, I've like got You're a you okay lot fitter than both of yeah. us yeah. now, you, yeah. 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 learn a lot about individual fitness, studied psychology, learned a lot about mindset, and then just a lot of trials, tribulations, stuff-ups in the corporate world. So it's physical well-being, psychological well-being, and also looking at leadership and transition. Um, so coming up, we've got some good ones. Todd Greenberg. Yes. Coming up, we've got uh, one of your former teammates, Georgie Gregan. Uh, oh, yes. had, one of your teammates has just been on, Eddie Cowan. But it's not just athletes. We've got some business leaders. We've got Matt Common from Combank. We've got a couple other yeah. leaders we've got coming up. We've got uh, a couple I can't mention yet because uh, they've said tentatively, yes. So we've got some, yeah. some big ones.
0: Kenji, I, I want to ask you about... Um, you've done some philanthropic, some really good stuff in that space. Um, the Balmoral, Balmoral Burn... Um, yeah, I'm sure you've run up that hill a couple well, of I times. Can I just mate? give you a
2: bit of feedback on that? <laughs> shit, shit hill. Like, <laughs> first time I did it, I did it with a mate of mine, Shagger, and now he's an 800, 1500 metre runner. How'd he get that nickname?
1: He chases
0: the girls up the hill. <laughs> <laughs> I no. did some good times. <laughs>
2: anyway, next time, choose a better hill. That is horrific when you get halfway mm. up and your throat is in the back of you.
0: So, so the history behind that, your, your son was in hospital. What, what, For what reason? And now with Humpty Dumpty, so it's providing medical equipment for...
1: Children's hospital. But all children's wards right around Australia. Right yeah. Around Australia. Yeah, mate. Uh, yeah, he was, and and then I had the incident uh, with my daughter. I ran over her in the yeah. driveway of our house, and actually the equipment that was uh, used to help save her life was donated by Humpty. Uh, so you know, quite serendipitous, and and I'm sort of inextricably linked now to to Humpty.
0: So, so talk me through that. Look, I, I've got three kids. I, I, I get goosebumps, but I can't imagine the feeling as a father or a parent when you when you, when you, re, you reverse over your daughter who was 19 months old.
1: I, I went over her forwards uh, going forward. Oh, right, okay. uh, I didn't see her. She ran around the front of the car. Um, we had a funny sort of shaped driveway. So the, the front of the car came up high and you couldn't sort of see over it and then it, you came down. Jesus. And uh, she'd run down, round from the side of the house. My other son, this, my, my second child, uh, a boy, Finn, he saw it happen, uh, and he said, Dad, you just ran over her, and I didn't feel anything in the car, like, it was a two-reg, you know, a big yeah. four-wheel drive thing, so I didn't feel a thing, um, and ran around and uh, picked her up, and, well, my wife picked her up, and just straightened the ambulance, uh, called the ambulance, and uh, they, they timed everything afterwards, and... Uh, the ambulance got there in seven minutes and they said if it was nine minutes you'd be dead Um, so it was that that close Uh, but now you know we've donated uh, through the Balmoral Burn about 35 million dollars worth of equipment to about nearly 500 hospitals around the country now Uh, and a big focus has been in uh, Northern Territory over the last couple of years and a lot's gone up there but still donating all around the place and uh, so the burn's you know part of my life
0: so uh, I I I always thought what what would her teenage years be like when you're still the dad and you've got to push back on her and you tell her to do something she goes but you run over me dad well, she
1: already has
3: used that <laughs> several <laughs> times. She's uh, she's
1: she's 18 now, and uh, and you know you might say something. What yeah. do you care, Dad? You tried to kill me. Oh, I yeah, love it. Thanks, thanks, thanks,
0: uh, and, your, and your other daughter, Matilda, was uh, is an Olympian athlete. So good genes in the family.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're they're both tough. She um, she competed in Tokyo. Was that last year? In yeah, water, last water polo. Year. Water polo yep. last yep. year. Uh, she's um, studying at the University of Southern California, and as she speak, as we speak, she's in Budapest um, with the Stingers, the, the Australian women's water polo team. Great. Uh, get playing in Hungary, then off to Italy, and then off to Spain. So shit life. And
0: us careers we get Pakistan, India, <laughs> Sri Lanka, New Zealand. <laughs> uh, we love all our Bangladesh uh, listeners out there, but uh, come on. <laughs> uh, Italy, yeah, Budapest. Um. Yeah. If you're joining this episode, maybe check out a previous one where I interviewed the former Premier of New South Wales, Gladys Berejiklian, and Todd Greenberg, where we spoke about all things sport and politics.
3: You were in my shoes.
0: Maisie, just a, a quick one. Uh, in short, you, you've, you would have coached um, both team sport players and individual athletes. What's the biggest difference? Is, it, is there a real selfishness with individual athletes?
2: Yeah, selfishness, self-centeredness. Uh, if you get the self-centeredness right, they yeah. can still assimilate back into the real world. Right. Selfishness, some elite athletes that I have worked with, trained with, often never make the transition back. So I think naturally in a team sport, you've got 11, 13, 15, 18 in AFL. So you actually have to know about team and about communication. Otherwise, you just get hooked. So yeah, I find... It's much tougher, though, in, in individual sports. Like, if you look at an Olympic sport, we're talking about Oli Hall. If he wins, it's his fault. If he loses, it's his fault. I'm sure you've had a, yeah. a, a game, uh, Phil. And well, what's what, well
0: the, back, the backs are more like individuals,
1: are they? Animals, yeah, they? yeah, you know, <laughs> you know, they do swap makeup colours and things like that. that they do? But but nail polish, no, nail polish, no, nail polish though, yeah. colours. No, actually, it's a really good question because I didn't know I was allowed to ask questions, but no, I, was going you know, to, I was going to ask you that because I, you think about a tennis player and all they do all day is think about themselves, yep. and then when they're sick about thinking about themselves, they hire someone to think about them. And, yeah. and, like, how do you. The only normal tennis player I ever met was, um, was Paddy Rafter. And I think that's because he had about a thousand brothers and sisters. And, like, you have to care about other people yeah. in that. We're scenario. getting into
2: a domain. I'll do this short, Shano, because this is what I do in my podcast. But yep. when we talk about mental skills, individual or team athletes feel you look at that base. So, what's the storytelling? But also, what's your identity? And if an athlete is the rugby player, the cricket player, the water polo, water polo athlete, and there's nothing else outside that, they're the ones that really struggle because invariably the tournaments and the trophies come and go and you're left with you and relationships and what you are. So I spend a lot of time with our young players at Parramatta who are you outside of rugby league? Uh, you know, what, what do you do in the community? What are your hobbies and interests? And uh, BA sometimes, ah, don't worry about all that shit. Just getting them to win fucking games, mate. <laughs> but but I, I, I've got five of our players at Parramatta studying. And, and I think that's the biggest achievement I've made there, personally. Yeah. Because, what were they study? Uh, psychology. Right, okay. Only psychology. Ryan Madison's doing a, a combined uh, phys ed, psych. Uh, Will Panassini is doing a, a business course.
0: Oh, I look, look forward to seeing the results.
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, no, can, can I ask? I, I, I've got a question. I just <laughs> <Files>. <laughs> um, for both of you, I was thinking about this. You've you got two, both two World Cups each in, in two yeah, very challenging, tough sports. A lot of athletes don't make the transition to then a life outside that. Let's say the business world, philanthropy, whatever it is. So, Phil, I'll start with you first. What did you do to get down? Eddie Cowan said this beautifully. You get to the top of a mountain and then you can see the next mountain and a lot of elite athletes think you're just going to paraglide across. But you've got to come down and start again. So what did you do?
1: Uh, I was lucky because half of my career was amateur and the other half was professional. So the amateur game, you knew that you had to have a life outside and so you were preparing for that you know, 10 years in advance. Um, So it was always in the back of your mind that that's that's what you had to do. And so when you'd go to a function or whatever it might be, I'm gonna talk to that dude because I don't know what they do, but they could be (laughs) important to me in the future. But you know, without consciously saying that to yourself, that's essentially what you were doing. And that's how you mix with people, and that's how you build your contacts, and that's what makes the world go round. But it also gives you a broader perspective on life. And, you know, a lot of athletes do the same to me as they would to you. They say, "What, what should I do when I finish rugby? And I go, okay, well, first thing you do is you write down all the things that you don't want to do, and then that narrows the thing of what you do want to do. And then you start working through, as you would, with their skills and what can they do moving forward and try and give them some sort of basis for for that. And confidence. I remember chatting to one of the swimmers who remained nameless, uh, but he he said to me one of the issues he had is there was only two things in his life. From the time he was a little boy all the way through to winning Olympic medals, there was time and there was distance. They're the only two factors in his life. And when you go out to the big world, there's a billion other factors that you've got to take into... In the, in the
0: it's, it's really interesting what you said, because I think my timing-wise, I started for New South Wales in 1989. I know you made your debut in 1989. I finished in 2002, and eighty nine and ninety five was semi-professional. I think I put the semi in professional there. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and then from that next part, it was... And, yeah, so I went to university and, and knew I had to study. And I wanted to, too. I wanted to... You know, you're in a real bubble in, in an elite sporting team, and uh, if you get caught up in that sort of... You get bogged down in the minutia of, of that existence. But you don't know,
2: You're flipping on this, and you go, "I studied, yeah. but yeah. you you, did, you played two World Cups. You retired pretty young. You were 29. 29 your yeah. knees. We'll try yeah. to get them sorted out. And yeah. you and I had some, some discussions on yeah. that as well at the time. And good Paddy Farhart, yeah. I think, said, "Mate, get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> go yeah. do something else." But but what did you do? Because you know, you've with Maxi you built and sold a business and been successful, and now what you're doing well, with, f- with f- podcasting?
0: F- for me, I, I always found. Um, all my mates that I, I sort of, um, I've still got now, were, were mates outside of cricket. So I wasn't relying on my teammates. Um, I wanted to get out of that world. I was always interested in other people. And, and I remember those functions. I, I was one of the few guys actually talking to everyone. And and it wasn't. Yeah, it's so important. And, and you, cause you never know where you're going to end up. and. And the big thing is be nice. Right. I had a it's Chris hard to be fucking nice.
2: Gilly's on the board of Travelex yeah. because of that, you know, yeah, went to a Travelex right. function. I think that most of the Aussie team were like, oh, let's get out of here. What well, time's first bus? Yeah. Uh, Gilly was still chatting. We
0: talked about um, tennis sports before and all the, my junior reporters, from George Gregor through to Matt Dunning. <laughs> they, they all said, don't ask Keernsey about any rugby stuff. Ask him about his most proud moment, winning the 2011 Sydney to Hobart.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> they said, you just love that.
1: I, I did three City to Hobarts, 9, 10 and 11. We won yeah. in 2011 uh, on Anthony Bell's boat, uh, <laughs> yeah. Loyal. And, um, mate, I'm a shit sailor. <laughs> 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 I've vomited the whole way, every, all three times. And uh, we, we uh, I, I'm one of those people that I'm able to be seasick and spew but I can just keep going. Right. And did that. And Phil Wall was actually the same. He was on the boat as well. We had some others. Um, I, I won't name Carl Stefanovic. Um,
0: <laughs> well, I, well that, that was my question. Like, uh, have you say so proud? How did you not drown Larry Edna and Carl Stefanovic? <laughs> like, <laughs> or well, at least vomit on yeah. him. <laughs>
1: Larry did the first two with us, and then he didn't do the third one. Yeah. Uh, Carl did the third one, and we won. Yes. So he's done right. one, and so Larry's like, why didn't I not go <laughs> so Larry gifted his to Carl. Yep. Uh, Carl, we got out of the heads, uh, and by the time we'd turned at the last boy, he was already green. Wow. And literally, we, we hadn't gone through the heads yet, and he was green. By the time we'd got round the last boy, he was vomiting, and one of the boys said to him, it might have even been Wari, I think. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Carl, the best thing to get rid of seasickness is go underneath the boat. up. We didn't see him until we were up the, going up the Derwent. <laughs> <laughs> the television cameras came out and so did Carl. I,
0: I've always said if, if Carl Stefanovi could talk about himself in the fourth person, he would. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's all right, Carl. Um, now, I just want to one last question um, and a funny story. You know, I can't remember the actual details, but he said a mate of, mate of yours became a marriage celebrant once and uh, just got, got it slightly wrong in his announcement. Oh, yes. <laughs>
1: am I all allowed
2: to say that? Of course you can. Of course you can.
1: <laughs> yeah, instead of saying he'd like to solemnise the wedding, he said he'd like to sodomise the wedding. <laughs> and,
2: and, and, I miss it by well, that much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah. Look, I want to I want to thank you both um, for coming on the show. We're here at District Brasserie um, in Chifley Tower, who's a fantastic sponsor of the show. We have a nice little lunch now. and um, I've eaten here regularly. Uh, yeah, it's a really good, really good venue. So come and check it out. Stay in town for a lunch or dinner. They're open and for breakfast in the morning. Um, Maisie, I've known you forever. And, um, mate, the Strive Stronger podcast, guys, go and check it out. It's really, it's much more of a deep dive than lunch with Lee. <laughs> I
2: always said lunch with Lee's last 60 minutes. This mad. is more fun. Like, what what yeah. am I doing? Sit yeah. up in a restaurant, get your mates in and, just have a chat it's great. that's it
0: mate it's just, you get paid to go to lunch and, and Kearnsie mate you're, a, you're, a, you're an Aussie legend mate superstar And you've all, the thing I liked about when I talked about to all my junior reporters from Gregan to Burke to War, to Dunning they all said amazing bloke so um, I think you. if your peers say that's a big big, big
1: compliment thanks mate can I can I also just say on that that um, Matt Dunning so do you know how much a personality weighs <laughs> personality weigh, uh, weighs about 45 kilo. Yep. because Matt Dunning used to weigh about 135 kilo <laughs> and now he's down to 90. I know. So that personality it's gone. It's gone. It's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so no
2: personality anymore. Uh, yeah. so I'm going to stick up for a mess the strength and conditioning because Cheesy looks lean. You know? uh,
1: it is official. A personality weighs 45 kilos <laughs> I love it, boys.
0: Thanks very much. Thank you, Shane. Bye that's it for lunch with Lee this week a big thank you guys out to our guests phil kearns and andrew may thanks to our sponsors o'brien beer and the osher group and thanks to district brass for once again hosting a fantastic lunch here in sydney make sure you hit follow on apple Podcasts or spotify or wherever you get your podcast from and look, do us a favor hit five stars and if you're passionate please leave a review lunch with lee photography was done by felicity kelly you can find her on instagram at felicity kelly portraits and a big thing as always to our producer dan McHugh. And we'll be back with some more interesting guests next time on Lunch With Lee. We'll see you then.